the book of Daniel, I hate to just read one verse, but I, Daniel, the 11th chapter. But there's, just, there's a statement here that I want. In verse 32. Now I believe in this part of Daniel 11. He's talking about the Antichrist that is to come. Amen. Not a doubt in my mind that's what he's talking about. In verse 32. Why don't you look at verse 31. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. That's what we're reading here. So he said, and such as do wickedly against the covenant, that would be the covenant that the Antichrist has made with the Jews back in chapter 9. <clears throat> Shall he corrupt by flatteries? Everybody likes easy talking. Everybody likes sweet talking. They do. Everybody, all you, you, you just can't be that blunt. That's what everybody says. You can't be that blunt. You gotta, you gotta beat around the bush so nobody gets offended. I like what uh, John MacArthur said. He said, "You all think I'm worried about offending somebody?" He said, "That's what I'm here for—to offend every one of you." <laughs> I like that. Well, the Word of God offends the flesh, and if you don't preach the Word of God, the flesh ain't going to be offended. But if everybody loves you, look what the Antichrist does. Flatteries? Huh. He shall corrupt by flatteries. <laughs> well, but here's the part I want. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Exploits are great things of, of bravery, strength. So, the people that do know their God. Knowing God. Well, in our world today, there's not much true knowledge of God out there. Not even in many churches there's not. Because everybody kind of looks like, well, God is like this fellow with that red suit on, the big white beard, a just jolly good fellow, and just ho, 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 and that's the way he is with everybody. Folks, that's just not true. <clears throat> not even close. So, what I want to do is, I've only got three points, won't be too long today. Uh, I want to talk about some Arthur's predicate nouns. Anybody want to argue with that? Well, here they are. 
God is spirit. God is light. And God is love. Now that's what A.T. Robertson calls these. Well, and the thing of it is, that's big sounding terminology. But notice, there's no definite article with those nouns there. That word anarthrus means jointless. There's nothing. Notice, look at John 4. John, I want everybody to know God. Of course, you can't know him if he doesn't reveal himself to you, but as much as I can by the word of God, I want you to know God. And in trying to teach you about God, I'll inform myself even more. And I need to be informed just as you do. Now in John 4, <clears throat> as the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus comes to her. I'm not going to try. Let's see. In verse 7, there cometh, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Now, what went before that, Jesus told his disciples or apostles, he must needs go through Samaria. And we know that Samaria was a place of people like us, heathen, Gentile heathen. That's what we were. That's what they were there, mixed up. So what, what ethnicity are you? Hines, fifth, seven varieties. I don't even know why, you know. Anyway, so they didn't want to go. But Jesus said he must needs go through Samaria. Why did Jesus need to go through Samaria? Because there was one of God's elect there. And so it happened she wasn't a Jew. So, she didn't know it. She didn't know that God was doing a work of grace in her. She had no idea. She went out there to that well to get some water. And that's, what, that's all she was after. She had a water pot, went out there to get, had to walk a long ways for it. And she goes out there to get some water. And there's this Jew sitting there. And all these preterists, I mean, they don't think there are any Jews, but there's one, Jesus is a Jew, lying out of the tribe of Judah. They, they think they don't exist, but I think they do. Amen. But anyway, uh, Jesus says, give me some water to drink, or give me to drink. And uh, then said the woman of Samaria, verse 9, how is it that thou being a Jew, askest drink of me? which am a woman of Samaria. She knew who she was and what she was and knew who Jesus was. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would, give, would have given thee living water. Now this is a different water than what she's coming there after. She didn't know she was getting, going to get this. The woman said to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. 
From whence then hast thou that living water? She had no conception of what he's talking about. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank therefore of thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Well, see, now she was part Jew, but she wasn't all Jew. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now Jesus is going to reveal himself to her. And so she, he tells her, Go and call thy husband and come here. And she says, Sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Didn't mean that she didn't have a man she was living with. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, for you have had five husbands. Now some of the preachers call her a whore. Call her a harlot, they really do. Jesus didn't call her a harlot. He said she had had five husbands. I assume that those five were Legal husbands or Jesus wouldn't have called them husbands. I don't know whether they all died. Chances are they hadn't all died. No doubt some of them were divorced. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. So there's her present situation. She's not married, but she's shacked up. Nobody uses that in term anymore because it's more shacked up than not. Anyway, but now Jesus didn't condemn her here, did he? He didn't call her names like preachers do. And they have no right to do that. That woman Rahab was a harlot. The Bible always says she is a harlot. Not trying to hide it. If she had been a harlot, Jesus would have said so. Anyway, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You're a religious fellow. Now she's getting into her religion. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Well, what she's showing here is her idolatrous religion. Worship in this mountain. There's a place. Well, Jesus says, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. She's got a materialistic view. And he says, You worship, you know not what. Well, I actually said, Ye, you all. You and all your family and all your kin. You all worship, you don't know what. Well, now, Jesus, you can't be that blunt, can you? 
That's what I hear all the time. Jesus was rather blunt, wasn't he? So, well, you should just uh, play along with her and not hurt her feelings. Jesus said, you don't know what you worship. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Well, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh us to worship him. And then here, verse 24, now understand this, a and an, those are indefinite articles. The Greek doesn't have anything like that. So in the Greek, this does not say God is a spirit. It says God is spirit. Amen. All right. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So knowing God, you must know that God's essence, he is spirit. He's not material. That's why you must worship him in spirit. It doesn't mean you got to roll down the aisle and hoop and holler. That's not what that means. That means 100% that God's essence is spirit and you must worship him in spirit, not in material things, not in pictures, not in statues. God is spirit. That's versus materialism. Materialism is controlling our world today. It is even controlling most of our religious world. All of our scientific world except those scientists that believe the truth. And there's some of them, quite a few of them. But all of the scientific so-called professors and all of that, they're all materialist. Well, communism is materialist. Matter of fact, the philosophy behind communism, Marxism, is dialectical, Materialism. Anybody remember Carl Sagan? He's the one Johnny Carson used to mimic him by saying, billions and billions and billions. He's dead now, he knows better. But that was his favorite saying that the world is billions and billions and billions of years old. Carl Sagan said, now listen to this. He said, the cosmos, meaning the whole ordered universe. That's what the cosmos is. The Greek word cosmos, but the, as they use it, the word cosmos, they're talking about the whole world, universe. He says, the cosmos is all there is 
all there ever was and all there ever will be. What's he saying? It's a material universe. There's no God. There's no other world than this one. And that's what your children are learning in the public schools and the universities. Oh, now some of them are learning anti-Semitism and, and Jew hatred, uh, homosexuality, and all of that. But beyond all of that, that's why they're all so vehemently pushing evolution because they are materialists. Oh, we can't even consider this because all we got is what we've got. And that's what Carl Sagan said. And that's all we've got is what we see. What you can touch. There's nothing else. Well, now the Bible says God is spirit. Atheism is godless. Now they've got their own religion. Atheism. And then you've got agnosticism they're the ones that say I don't know can't ever know atheists say absolutely there's no God and the cosmos is all there is ever was or ever will be now that's that's what this world is laboring under but the Bible says that God is spirit even the religious world is under this even in idolatry now Idolatry is not an answer to the materialists, not at all. I'll probably show that picture again when I do the trail of blood. I've got a picture of St. Nicholas. Doesn't look like anything that you think it does. Well, is it old? Well, not really. It could be old because St. Nicholas, so-called, he was, uh, they made a saint out of him uh, way back about the fourth century. But I have actually seen with these little peepers here, Eastern Greek Orthodox nuns well, see, that's the Eastern Catholic Church. They just don't follow the Pope. They've got a, uh, they've got a big fellow, but he ain't the Pope. But they basically got the same Catholic doctrine, except they don't, they don't do the statues. What they do is pictures that are 3D. You've seen those pictures that are beaten out? You can, you can feel of them. Those are called icons. Way back when there was a big fight amongst the Roman Catholics and the Greek Catholics over icons, statues. So they said they didn't want the statues, but they took the icons. These are like they beat them out of metal. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, in Alba Iulia, you was there, wasn't you, Tim? In Romania? Yeah. The second biggest uh, Greek Catholic church in Romania, and that's what the religion of Romania is, 
the second biggest one there. It was about this time of year. And up on their altar thing, up front, all of these icons of all of these so-called saints that they worship. And there were these nuns. Did you see that? Yeah. Down there in front of that St. Nicholas icon, worshiping it. See, people think all that is is just some kind of a children's fantasy. But it really isn't. It really is real. And that's what they, they worship that. You say, well, I can do that. Not by, well, well, no, you can't really. Anyway, so the Bible says that God is spirit. God's, well, Mormons teach that we human beings can become gods. And their God is growing. He's growing and progressing. Now we'll never catch up with him. But here's their favorite saying. As God was, And as he is, man may become. So they teach their people, unless they're black, that they're going to become God. That's true. That's true. That man is going to become a God because they've got a completely materialistic view of God. They say, God has wives, many of them. Thus, they can have many of them. And they still do. Y'all think I'm telling tales. No, I'm not. So my point is this. What do people look at when they see a so-called picture of Jesus Christ with the long hair. They worship that picture. They say, oh, that's, that's holy. That's religious. And that's the same thing as the law says, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. They're bound down to it in their heart. No, you can't do that. Remember, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And truth is from the word of God. So how do we know who God is and what he is? Right here, the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So, Point number one, God is spirit. That's his essence. And don't try to worship him with physical things, material things, because he must be worshiped in spirit. 
Secondly, look at 1 John. The first chapter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen. Now notice, this is the same John that wrote the gospel of John. And in either case, he didn't feel it necessary, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, to start with the birth of Jesus Christ. He went way beyond that. John, he said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him. And here he starts his first letter, and he starts it the same way that he started the Gospel of John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the Word of life, for the life was manifested And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. He literally saw and touched Jesus Christ. What no seemed to be, he was really here. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. You want to be happy? Believe the Lord, believe the word, that your joy may be full. And this then is the message which we have heard of him and from him and declare unto you. Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel. He's declaring this unto us. He's not asking. He's not begging. He's declaring that God is light. (laughs) There's that another, an Arthur's predicate now. He didn't say God is the light. He went way beyond that. That's the light right there. He said, God is light. What is light? God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Don't think we've ever physically seen light like that. Spiritually through the word, but not physically. Not possible. I don't think our eyes could behold it. We're talking about true light. What is light? Uh, It didn't say light is God. Said God is light. Okay? And look at verse 6. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. How can you walk in sin? That's what darkness is. And say you walk with God. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. What are you doing walking in darkness and claiming you're walking with him? Can't happen. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. He's not talking to the world there. When somebody brings that scripture up on you, witnessing to a lost person, that doesn't say anything to a lost person. He's not talking about that kind of cleansing. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So, the point is, God is light. We know God is spirit. And if you're going to worship him, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we know that God is light. Some of the books say that's the emblem of holiness. No, I understand what they're saying. But this is not saying that God's the emblem of holiness. This is saying ultimately God is holy. Not just an emblem of it, a symbol of it. Well, look for us, look at Ephesians 5. We've been there just recently. Verse 8. For you all were sometimes darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Ye were sometimes darkness. We walked in darkness in our sins. But God... Did a work of grace if he has done it in you. And now you're children of the light. Let us walk accordingly. Verse 13. Well. Verse, verse 11. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. That's the works that come out of darkness. But rather reprove them. Stand against them. Verbally stand against those works of darkness. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. If you reprove something, if it came from the light, it's reproved. 
for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So, not only God is spirit, God is light, and then look over chapter 4 of 1 John. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or prove the spirits, whether they are of God. You hear a whole lot of talk about love, especially in religious connections. John says, try the spirits. Well, somebody's talking about love. Don't just assume they're talking this kind of love. Prove them by the word of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There's no less of them today. Probably more of them. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Now that's what we were talking about a while ago. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, came in the flesh. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Of course we know there's coming an Antichrist, but there's many Antichrists already in the world, and the way you can determine them, if they're, if they're denying the humanity of Jesus Christ. I heard a Baptist preacher preaching at a Baptist conference. He said Jesus Christ was not a man like we are. And I said, that's heresy. And it was. If he wasn't verily man, he's not our Savior. He says, now ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Sometimes you think you just have to battle all yourself. Well, read that verse. If, you're, if the Lord's in you, then greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Then what do you got to worry about? What have you got to fear? They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. So, well, they don't hear me. Well, maybe there's a reason why. Read that verse again. They don't hear me. They don't like what I've got to say. Well, maybe it's because they don't like what the world's got to say. 
We are of God. He that knoweth God. They that do know him shall be strong. They shall do exploits. We are of God. He that knoweth God. Heareth us. Are you hearing John? He that is not of God. Heareth not us. So don't feel like you're by yourself. And you're trying to witness somebody. Tell them the truth of the word of God. And they don't listen to you. He that is not of God. Heareth not us. Hereby. That's what's going to follow here. Know we the spirit of truth. And the spirit of error. The spirit of truth is rejected by the world. The spirit of error, falsehood, is received by the world. That's pretty simple. Okay. Beloved, now you're talking to the world. He's talking to those who have been beloved of God. Let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth in that capacity, in that context, in that connection, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You Think about that. Everyone that loveth is born of God. Do you love with this kind of love? He's born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, that is in that kind of capacity, say, well, I know people that love and they're not professed Christians. Well, they love in their own context, in their own connection. But I'm talking about this connection. And there's a world of difference. Oh, here's our third point. For God is love. They didn't say love is God. There's all kinds of love. But God is love. And if you love with that kind of love, it's because you are born of God and you know God. Well, this, you know the, the two words used in the Greek New Testament for love is phileo, and everybody knows the, the city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Got the highest murder rate in any city in, Lex, in the world, in the United States. I don't know how much love is there, but that's how they named that. Phila, phileo, I love. That's what it means in, in Greek. Delphia is a city. City of love. 
brotherly love. So, when you see phileo, and you need to have that pointed out to you, you can get books that will show it to you. That means brotherly love. That's the kind of love that many people have. Some don't. But then there's another word for love that the New Testament doesn't have, and that's eros, from which we get erotic, that kind of love. Doesn't ever use that word. You get other Greek books that use that, but not the Bible. Not that in marriage there's anything wrong with that, but it doesn't use that. The other word that is most often used for love is agape, or it could be agapao, but it's the same basic word, different forms of it. Now look at 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13. And this is all about the subject of spiritual gifts. So he says, though I speak with the tongues of men, see that word tongue, that's language, and of angels. Well, what language did angels ever speak did we ever see angels in the Bible that came to earth? What language did they speak? They spoke the language of the people to whom they went to to deliver a message from God. They didn't go, People have that idea, that's the language of angels. Anytime you saw an angel, well, you look in Luke. What the angels say? Could the, whoever they came to were able to understand them in their language, and that's the language of angels. And have not charity. Now that word charity, it's used over and over in this chapter. But I want you to know, every time you see charity. The Greek word is agape. Every single time. So the word charity in King James time didn't have the same connotation that it has today. Charity is giving a handout to somebody. That's how people view the word charity. But it didn't mean that in King James time. It meant love. So there wasn't any problem with the King James. It's just simply that the language has changed. So when you see charity, you need to make sure you know that's love, agape love. He said, if I have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Make a noise, but that's all. <laughs> don't, don't accomplish anything. And though I have the gift of prophecy... And that is definitely the gift, talking about on the day of Pentecost, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. 
And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Now what kind of love? The agape love, the kind of love that God is love. Okay? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Are you kind? Are you a child of God? Are you kind? Are you a mean snake? Love envies not. You always envy what somebody else has got? Look at this. Love vault picks up itself, exalts itself over somebody else. Is not puffed up. I mean, puff up. Them old puff adders, puff fish. Used to pull them out of, on the piers down there in Florida. Pull them out and they blow their belly up. Great big. Trying to scare you. Trying to make you, make you think there's something or not. Wasn't nothing in there but air. You puffed up. Got a head full of puff up. Head full of air, that's what he's talking about. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. Lord help us. Thinks no evil. Some people, the only thing they think is evil about somebody else. Rejoices not in iniquity. Don't rejoice in sin. But rejoices in the truth. This is agape love, folks. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopeth all things. Endeareth all things. Love never ceases. Fail means cease. Never goes out of existence. Ha, <laughs> ha. But whether they be prophecies, the gift of prophecies is what he's talking about, they shall fail. And they did when that which is perfect was come, the completed New Testament. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Tongues, what are they? Read Revelation. What are they doing in heaven right now? Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Their tongues have not ceased. He's talking about the gift of languages. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Knowledge, well, we have knowledge of the history of this world. Do you think that'll cease in heaven? We'll rejoice in that throughout eternity. He's talking about the gifts. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is complete has come, and that was the New Testament, then that which is in part shall be done away. That is the gifts. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And by comparison, those gifts were childish compared to the completed word of God. 
For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. When you're with the Lord, your spirit departs to be absent from the bodies who be present with the Lord. You won't need faith. You won't need hope. Because your faith has been realized and your hope has been made sight. But what you will be left with is love. Charity, agape love. The greatest of these is love. Now, God is spirit. And he must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. God is light. And if you are of God, walking in light, then you cannot be walking in darkness. And God is love. Do you know God? Then you know love. And are you demonstrating that love in your, in your life? Folks, there's your Anarthur's predicate nouns spirit light and love 